Emerald Podcast Series. Research that makes a difference. On this episode, I am speaking with Dr. Anthony Goodman from Middlesex University. We will be talking about the paper he recently published titled Supporting Girls and Young Women Victims of Sexual Harassment in Schools, Me and You and Everyone We Know. Hi, Anthony. Hello again. Hi, yes. hi. <laughs> um, well, firstly, thank you for taking some time today to talk to us. And obviously, this is all in light of your article that you've written recently about sexual harassment in schools. Yes. So I guess it would be really useful to know what your research is about and why you chose to look at sexual harassment in schools. I think that uh, in a sense for me, it was unfinished business. I started many years ago, back in 2008 with a colleague, we did an edited book on children as victims. And what came over very strongly was this notion of the deserving and the undeserving victim. And uh, in many ways, we wish we'd called the book Children as Victims and Survivors, because uh, for a lot of them, the the trauma they suffer during their childhood stays with them. And uh, a lot of my work has been around work with adult offenders. And and you can see that a lot of traumatic experiences from childhood, if they're Mm. not resolved, end up with them... uh, really finding life very difficult to cope with and often getting into serious trouble. So tell me why you specifically chose to look at sexual harassment in schools. I think schools are a really important area where these subjects can be addressed. And uh, because I, I think the other thing which may not immediately be apparent is that for many children, they're not really aware of what is harassment. So mm-hmm. that uh, what we found in the research was that a lot of the young women, the girls, were resigned to having to put up with behaviour which we would consider as adults as unacceptable, but they yeah. felt they just had to... Uh, put up with and uh, in some ways and it does seem a bit strange but you you have to uh, really work with the the children and young people to uh, to say well what is harassment what is uh, what what do you understand by that what what do we understand by that and Mm -hmm. and try and help them to realize that they don't have to suffer from from the unwanted attention from uh, adult males but also uh, slightly older males very often It's really interesting what you're saying. And to be honest with you, it sparks a lot of things in my mind. So obviously, there's that recent example of the 15 year old schoolgirl who was strip searched by police at school, which, you know, it's meant to be a safe environment for people. And then when you've got people who you're meant to trust who are adults who sort of elicit these types of behaviours, that's really troubling, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think there were two things that, that really concerned me about that. First mm. of all, that the teachers did not go in and uh, understand that to leave this, this girl unsupported with yeah. police and that the police treated her in, in really all manner of circumstances as uh, as an adult and how yeah. they, they did look at her as a vulnerable young woman who should have had a mum with her and yeah. Uh, yeah. really so there's two things there, there is an issue about really 
looking beyond just the, the age of the child and see how young women are treated if they may be white or if mm. they are a person of colour. There, yeah. there is research that uh, has come out after we finished ours which would imply that um, a lot of adults treat um, children of colour as adults rather than as children. So yeah. it raises a lot of issues, that case, and left me feeling very troubled about what had happened. Yeah, yeah, no, it... It's something obviously within the context of this. It it's well in all contexts. It's really troubling and something really challenging. To I mean, I don't think I would ever understand it and why anyone would think that that's acceptable behaviour. The other thing that all of this has sort of sparked in my mind, and I don't know if this is a little bit out there. I don't think it is, but in light of you know, really high profile cases around the likes of Jimmy Savile. Mm. We're in a different time now, aren't we, where people can be much more vocal about what's going on because children who were victims back in the 70s or, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago are now speaking out as adults. Would you would you hope that your research enables children speak out at the time that these issues are actually happening instead of these situations following them into adulthood and you know this they've carried on with this trauma i i think there's no automatic change that has occurred that mm. means that uh, young women young girls will continue still to be sexually harassed and and uh, in all the three countries that we did the work in uh, Sweden mm. Italy and Romania the projects that were going into the schools were already in there doing this this type of work so that there was an awareness that this was needed and, and, and in England and Wales there's research to show that again there's quite a low level of awareness amongst uh, a lot of young women about what they should and should not have to put up with and yeah. uh, I think the, the strength of what we did was was that we tried to bring in something that schools could use to help them to mm. uh, to address this issue and I think unless this the issue is actually put onto the agenda the danger yeah. is that it then sinks below the surface again and there is a danger that, that young women will continue to uh, have to put up with this unwanted attention and, and to think that this is what they have to uh, accept. So you've just mentioned there, Anthony, that the study focused on the three countries, Italy, Romania and Sweden. Why were, was it these countries that you chose to research? I think they all had, a, a in, in some ways, a, a different background right. if we uh, literally go through the one by one well, in yeah. Romania the the level of knowledge of uh, sexual harassment the research isn't there the level of knowledge is low there was an element we found talking to the young people that they felt they could be blamed that, uh, that somehow if we go back a long time you know, a dress too short or what have you done to uh, have caused this so yeah. that, uh, it was really important to, to put across that this isn't something that you've done this is something that's being done to you and, and it's not yeah. acceptable yeah. again in Italy more knowledge but also a lot of work being done in the schools to help young women to understand what they 
don't have to put up with and, mm. and what is unacceptable. Sweden, on the other hand, has got more rules and understanding in this area, has been researched more and has shown that there's a high level of abuse out there. But in all three countries, the need for this type of work was there. So in a sense, what it shows is it doesn't matter superficially, at least how well-informed uh, authorities are that this is taking place and how much they might be willing to say yes it's something we need to do with the problem is there and uh, for the young people it's really important that they engage with this and uh, we, we had interesting results so some of the young men began to appreciate that their behavior had been unacceptable and that yeah. they needed to change so uh, you know it works both ways that for young men what they thought might be okay sharing pictures and, and bands and so on mm. they begin to appreciate no it's not okay it's not acceptable and uh, that they need to change one of the key findings from the project was that schools need to be explicit about their policies on sexual harassment can you expand on that Yes, uh, for the, a lot of the um, the young people, male and female, they felt that the uh, that the schools weren't taking enough responsibility for yeah. ensuring that this was an area that was open to um, to be discussed, and mm -hmm. that you know the schools had a, a responsibility for their policies to make sure that those policies were acted upon. And yeah. uh, I think if there was a lesson to be learned, it, mm. it was also that uh, for the professionals, you need to be trained to be able to to deal with this issue. And, yeah. and in some schools, the practitioners who were going in involved teachers, and in others, they chose not to because depending on whether they felt that the uh, the teachers were confident enough to be able to to handle this type of issue, and, and some teachers expressed surprise that where they had had issues around harassment that uh, a year down the line that the um, young people were still distressed. They didn't appreciate that this wasn't something that was going to clear up overnight just perhaps yeah. because it had become to the public attention. Mm. So, uh, yeah. That's insightful. Just bringing it back to schools and practitioners and people who are there to support young victims of sexual harassment, what would your advice be to them and sort of what would be a good starting point for them to tackle sexual harassment? Well, surely it's more than having policies and everything, but in practical terms, what could they be doing? I think just having policies on their own is, is not going to be sufficient yeah. because, yeah. Uh, as, as I was saying, if you look at the three countries that we, uh, we went into, Sweden has got the policies, yeah. but they've also, like the other countries, got the, the, the issues and the mm. problems. So uh, it, it's having professional staff, if we put it that way, who feel confident enough to be able to deal with the issue and uh, I think it's important that all staff in the schools whether they are backup staff cleaners whatever mm. that they understand the issues and, and feel confident enough to be able to bring it to the attention of others because you can see whether a young person is withdrawn or angry and uh, it, you know these things need to be picked up and uh, looked at because uh, a young person will show distress and uh, it may well be that the problem was within the family and they can't share it within the family or it might yeah. be uh, a slightly older uh, relative or it might be somebody in the school who's a bit older and 
you know, for these students at such a formative time in their lives, it's really important that uh, they feel that it's okay to have a significant adult that they can they can turn to mm. and uh, that person will will help them through uh, a difficult pathway of uh, coming to terms and understanding what's been done to them yeah uh, they are they are victims but not just uh, um, passive victims you know they they have a a key role to play to stop others maybe from being hurt and themselves to uh, to grow from uh, being so hurt yeah. uh, and it's responsibility for all of us yeah absolutely i think a really interesting point there is about and obviously this has been picked up with the countries that you've studied but in other countries where you know harassment sexual harassment might be seen as a cultural norm or where sort of women's rights are violated regularly have you got any insight on how these issues can be tackled in those countries well i think it's it in all countries, and yeah. uh, it it was very interesting. If I if I just turned to uh, you know even my own university, I I had a a display. We were doing this for students, just explaining some of our research, and uh, one of the students was was visibly upset. And it was clear that things had happened to her. And so, so I was able to say to her, look, the university have got support services um, you know, at all ages, uh, not just in schools. You know, this sort of exploitation and vulnerability exists. And uh, so it's so important that people feel that they can have the confidence to go and get help and, yeah. and not just to uh, to accept this. So, you know, whether they are children or older it beholds on all of us to to see this is on the agenda and I think for me what what the research was all about was to say what can we do to help the professionals and the young people and, and the uh, the set of cards that we produce yeah. which uh, I, I I take no credit for the cards because they were done <laughs> by a professional but I, for me they're absolutely brilliant and I, I would say to people they could be downloaded, they could be used. You know, for further research, I think we, we could perhaps learn more about in what circumstances and at what point you know, is one card more useful than another. But we've got, mm. uh, I think, quite a considerable set of cards here that have both scenarios that came from the young people. We, we did focus groups and pictures to to help us understand what, uh, you know, they're, they're pictures that are they're quite uh, amorphous, I don't know if that's the right word, but you, you could look at these pictures and think, uh, what do they mean, what do they display? And it's the pictures that enable discussions to start. So they might just be two people together. You know, there, there's one that's called Intimacy, for example, and it's just got two people just in, in a quite an innocent embrace, but it's then for people to, to think through what does that mean. So it, it helps yeah. break down the barriers and, yeah. and it just encourages young people to, to start speaking honestly and, and openly. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we need. And, uh, you know, for some of them, uh, we had all girls groups that seemed to work. For some, the girls wanted boys in there as well because they wanted them to hear and understand which, mm. which uh, again is not just brave but you know really helping you know to understand that it, it's both sides as it were that need to uh, to really get to grips yeah. with what's going on and understand what is acceptable what can be shared and what shouldn't be yeah. and, and how to treat people with dignity and respect yeah 100 percent. you've mentioned the cards that were created 
for the study. Yes. What's next with them? And do you think they'll be used in the future? Are you hoping for that kind of wider dissemination? I really hope so. And and really, you know, this this podcast is another opportunity to plug. Yeah. These are, you know, these are available. There's no copyright on them you could you could download them i would be really interested to learn from people who've used them how how they found them the uh, they can be adapted there are scenarios about acceptable behavior and, and when it goes a bit further mm-hmm. and uh, for me these scenarios were very uh, believable because yeah. you know, some of them are about how young people behave in terms of egging each other on and things getting out of hand mm-hmm. and uh, I remember when when I was uh, many years back as was a parent governor of a school and, and we had a experience where two boys at the bottom of a stair started off pushing girls and then they started to touch them outside and they ended up they're putting hands up their skirts and, mm. and they were expelled and we had a an appeal which we upheld because we could see how this behavior was dangerous and they needed to understand it but the other thing of course was uh, had that behavior happened say at the bottom of a stairwell in a in a block of flats then yeah. the police could have been called yeah. which didn't happen in the school the the, the boys then get a criminal record which stays for them and, and would stop them perhaps doing all sorts of things and mm. and it's this educative need because yeah. when behavior is unacceptable it 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 then becomes you and and that could be staying with you for the rest of your life so just because it happened in a school and the school took i wouldn't say a lenient approach but decided mm. not to go down the route of uh, putting the police in line would it imply that uh, there is that wide band spread of, of what could happen to those those boys from getting a criminal record to uh, to perhaps getting nothing and th- feeling that they're getting away with it and I think if it happens you know within the school you could you could help them to understand yeah this this is really part of your growth and development mm. and you mustn't you mustn't do this it's it's not acceptable again I'm not sure if this is entirely accurate here but I guess that role of sort of toxic masculinity gets Mm. dismantled, doesn't it? Because if it's if it's already prevalent in a school setting and it's challenged, that's only going to be a positive thing, not only for potential victims of sexual harassment, but for that individual as well, because they're not having to play to whatever pressures are being put on them. Indeed, and uh, it, it's funny because when you're at your antenna, if I can put it that way, get attuned and you 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 become vigilant. Yeah. Um, I was on the tube the other day, and there was a sign, and it said something like, "If someone touches you, this is harassment." And I was thinking, well, actually, where does the line end between yeah. what I would consider harassment mm. and what I consider offending, sexual offending? And I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if somebody is actually touched, yeah. that goes beyond harassment, and yet. There was this sign, you know, on the tube, on yeah. the, on the, you know, this is it's not harassment, and and so again, we we may have our own definition of what we think is sexual harassment, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just think that um, the legalities of it, people really do need to understand that that this this can be damaging for for people for a long long time. We you know we're beginning to think, well. 
we haven't had anything on our statute before mm. about what they call upskirting, you know, yeah. taking pictures yeah. up a, a woman's skirt. And you should think this is outrageous. You know, yeah. that's got to be an offence. So, or if a, a woman is breastfeeding, you know, the, the, which is a natural thing, you, know, you take a picture of that, that is beyond what is acceptable. And, you know, it, sometimes what all these things show mm. is is that the the criminal justice system the legal system is always playing catch up with yeah. with what with yeah. what is going on mm. um but we do know enough more than enough to know what is not acceptable yeah. um, and uh you know sharing pictures sharing uh, images and so on and and uh, you know th- this it could be both male and female because yeah. you know there are examples where where girls have encouraged a boy to send a naked picture, then it's gone all around the school. You know, yeah. this is this is a terrible thing to do to that person, and it will haunt them because once the pictures are out in the public domain, they mm. they don't go they don't go away. No. And uh, with that that lesson doesn't seem to be learned even by Hollywood stars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, you know, for, for young children, they may feel that it's the end of the world. They've shared yeah. a picture and. and uh, and, and they just feel that, that their life has come to an end. And, yeah, and you know, that, yeah. that is very, very depressing and worrying. It's the intersectional piece around, you know, this work that you're doing, the education element, the criminal justice aspect to mm. it. It really does make you sense how interconnected everything actually is when you put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. And how far reaching the ramifications can be of what might to one person seem like like a, a bit of banter or whatever it might be, but actually on the extreme end of that, it, it can really have devastating effects on people's lives. I really think so. And, and uh, just sometimes what we, we picked up, this sense of resignation of this is how it is. Mm. Uh, and it's not how it has to be. And, yeah. and I, I just think that uh, the school is such a significant area where this, this could be picked up and, uh, and dealt with because um, there is an element in, in some communities that they don't want, as it were, their dirty washing out in public. Yeah. So there is an element. And we certainly we see this with adults and domestic abuse where, mm. you know, in communities, you know, they don't want this to, to come out into the into the public domain. And, and uh, it's just so important that that sport is there so that yes. young people can, uh, can learn in safety about what is okay and what's not okay. Mm. And uh, in the different countries, I think what, what came out was there has to be maybe strategies about how you sell this type of education and it yes. has to be done through education and health because yes. uh, otherwise uh, in, in some countries if, if I could put it that have more of a, a religious inclination mm. you know they, they may just may just not want it to be dealt with at all but I just think it's so important that we that we don't shy away from dealing with these difficult subjects yeah 100% and re- we're equipping people to protect themselves in the future as well. So yeah. it's only a good thing. Anthony, I think that's a wrap for us. This has been such an interesting conversation. Um, thank you. It, it's been my pleasure and my interest because I, I was really, you know, I admired the the professionals that were delivering these programmes. And, yeah. and uh, it, it was a tough ask because they, they, they had a hard 
job sometimes getting this onto the agenda, but they, they persevered. And uh, I think um, you know, our project wasn't trying to show whether this existed. It was just trying yeah. to show how can we do something that's more um, effective and, and helpful. We, we know it exists. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find a transcript of my conversation on our website, as well as more information about our guests. I'd like to thank Anthony Goodman for today's episode and Alex Youngis from This Is Distorted.